my dear friend, mighty Casey Quinlan of Healthcare is Hilarious fame, continues to cope with her breast cancer. Hashtag Mets Party. We co-produce an episode when Casey doesn't feel well and her audience clamors for news and wit. I recorded conversations that we both could use for our podcasts twice before. Let's jump right into our chat. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Loon, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of healthcare and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Okay. All right. Hello, my love. Hello, dear. How are you? What's going on? What's new? What's new? What's new? I'm working on a series about young adults with mental illness. Okay. And, that's, um, that's useful. Yeah. It's been fascinating. Pulling it together and meeting people and thinking about the scope of it. And finding people with lived experience to share their story so it's rooted in reality. Yeah, exactly. What types of diagnoses are you finding most common? Or I don't know know about what's most common, but it seems like it's going two directions. One is with people with lived experience with some pretty serious diagnoses, psychoses, and I found this organization called Students with Psychoses. It's an international organization. And then I've been talking to like primary care docs and I'm trying to line up a ED doc and I've got some community organizations that coordinate services for teens. And then I got one of these referrals from, I really respect, you'd be really interested in this guy. And it was like cardiac rehab. And I just wasn't that interested. The person who referred me, I really do respect. And she's been very helpful. So I said, oh, I should definitely talk to this guy. And I told him I wasn't that interested in that. But what I've been interested in is this young adult thing. And he said, he's a firefighter. And he has started a program called Yoga 5.0. And he invites first responders and teens to do yoga together. And I said, now that's interesting. That's interesting. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, tell us about your health. We'll just say it's not great. I went through... Let's see, at the beginning of this year, things looked okay, other than I did get a mild case of Omicron, a breakthrough. I guess it was like the first week of January. But after that, after that, everything seemed to be just bumping along. But then in April and May, my kidney function started to look funky. 
right. technical term. And June, I was in the way of needing to see a nephrologist. And there was some deep concern about kidney failure. And the last thing in the world I want to deal with right now is dialysis. Right. So I was working on, okay, how do we get past this? And they also, at the same time, were <clears throat> strongly suspecting that it was because of the treatment I was on. Okay. The oral medication that I was on for my cancer. That was part of the problem because there were a lot of other issues around anemia and calcium levels. And things just kept going further and further down into the chute. And then that led to me being hospitalized twice, once in August and once in September. And they had taken me off the medication I was on, the breast cancer medication. I stopped taking that. I want to say it was in June, but it took a while. My kidneys are okay. Not great, but they're no longer in kidney failure zone. And I mean, all the the blood numbers related to kidneys are okay. My calcium level has gone back into the normal zone. Occasionally, they have to hit me with a drug called Zometa. That is what that does is it reduces calcium, blood calcium levels. And they haven't had to hit me with that for, I guess, like a month or so now. So that's good. I'm on traditional chemo now versus the oral medication I had been on. I'm on a class of drugs called taxanes. As we're sitting here looking at each other, people will be listening to this, but yes, all my hair fell out, but that's fine. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry over spilled hair. Why, why worry about it? It's like, there are other things that are more important, like getting, getting this cancer under control. had a a CT scan yesterday, Okay, a progression scan, and things are at a stasis point. There's a spot on my liver that's been there for a little while. I did end up with a broken rib. I was pretty sure it was a broken rib, and that was a pathologic fracture from just (laughs) the way that the cancer, what's in my bones, in my spine, and I had broken ribs visible, healed broken ribs, visible on an MRI last year. When I felt like I had a broken rib, I was pretty sure it's a broken rib. And it was. The pain has passed off now, blessedly, because that was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. But that the pain itself only lasted for, I guess it was like a week or so, maybe 10. It, was, it wasn't that bad. But they're talking about maybe doing another round of radiation in that area just to, we'll see. But I'm chemo-brained badly at this point. I can still work on audio and video editing and projects that I do, the stuff that I do for medical journals and societies, but through a major publishing house. But other, I can't write. I can't write to explain right now. I had to turn down a writing project that was worth a few thousand dollars this month just because I can't, I'm just not in the zone where I can write like that right Mm -hmm. now. And they're infusing me every three weeks. 
I go in for another infusion next Thursday. And the cadence seems to be that the first week to 10 days is the worst of the chemo brain. Then I start feeling a little better or Mm -hmm. a little more with it. But I'm still not 100%. I'd say that at my best, I'm probably running about 80, 85% at this point. But I'm down to about 40 to 50 in that seven to 10 days after getting an infusion. But I have no idea how long, how many of these they're planning on hitting me with. My very unscientific wild ass guess is somewhere around 12 to 18 of these, which puts me well into next year. Wow. I think we'll see. It's the one question I keep forgetting to ask. And I will remember to ask next week when I have my appointment with my oncologist, how many of these do you see us doing? And because every three weeks, for 12 to 18 weeks, that's basically six months and or close to it. So that takes me well into next year. And right now I'm concentrating on small stuff. I still want to get back in the pool. When's the last time you swam? I'm hoping, I'm aiming at getting back in the pool sometime in November. Okay. And we'll see. Time will yeah. tell. So how's your spiritual health? I'm doing okay. Spiritually, I am seeing or talking to a palliative care group. And I'm okay. Um, I can't say that I don't. There's good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I don't know, like, where we're headed with this. Short term, long term, um, but I'm just kind of waiting for signal, and there may not be. And who knows? I, who knows? But but again, I'm the progression scan thing didn't really give us anything to hang our hat on yet. Nothing has changed a lot. Yes, they confirmed that I did have a broken rib. There's a little bit of ground glass in my lungs. They're thinking maybe that's a leftover from the COVID thing. Although mm-hmm. my COVID infection was so minimal, that doesn't seem to be, I, I don't know what's going on. We'll see where we end up. Okay. But I'm just, you know, every day I wake up and it's a day and I live through it. And then <laughs> we do it again the next day. Yeah. And as long as that keeps happening, I'll keep Pressing forward. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Record your healthcare conversations with doctors and other clinicians with Abridge. Push the big pink button and record. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Let me know how it went. Can I ask you some not health-related questions? Sure. Okay. So when you look back on your career as an activist how do you recognize success 
in your work? Because what we're all trying to do is such a huge heavy lift and giant pivot, a long established hierarchical setup, process, industry, whatever you want to call healthcare. I don't know. Every once in a while, I will hear something that gives me a sense that there's some potential change that has happened, but pretty much everything is going to be recognizable more in a look back than it's going to be anything that you can see happening like in real time around you. And I think my own measure of success, I don't know that I have one. I just kind of get up every day and go and do what I do. And if somebody, if I hear somebody saying something that I know I've been saying for a decade, but I never heard them or that group say it before. Yeah. That's progress. That's progress. And that's progress. And, um, And yay us, we managed to create a little bit of, Something there. We'll yeah. see. But I went to this conference and I'm doing a, I went to the Healthy Voices conference and I asked people about how they recognize success. And one of the things that I found interesting about that group, I interviewed 26 of the 95 people there mm. and they pretty much all said something to the effect of, if I can make an impact on one life, that's worth it. And I thought, like, that was great. Um, And I also thought they weren't thinking about systems. And I know that one of the things about you and your work is that you're almost always thinking about systems. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to get a sense of how you it's so yeah, hard I mean, to see I, system change. Again, just watching some of the larger sort of institutional players in the space, and that's everything from like healthcare providers to policy tanks to think tanks to whatever. It seems as though at least the more progressive thinkers among that all of those different groups seem to have started to wake up to the idea that there might be Kool-Aid to drink. I don't know if they have drunk the Kool-Aid yet. Mm -hmm. Some of them are at least looking for a pitcher in which to perhaps mix some Kool-Aid. And we'll see, but that's the, we'll do a test or we'll do a pilot. The thing that, that I see too many sort of industrial side players getting trapped in though, is that death by a thousand pilots they do a thousand pilots and yeah. but they never actually do an entire system wind through their entire system yeah they don't actually like flush through the whole thing and change their processes enough mm. to make it truly patient-centered patient-focused yeah. even patient-led in some cases they could do with some patient leadership and that's why organizations like PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, and other international groups 
are, that's one of the reasons that they came into existence is to at least try to push some of that through. But again, we're dealing with this huge hierarchical structure that's been built over millennia mm-hmm. and not very scientifically based, let's say 2000 years ago. We've gotten a little better in the last couple hundred years, but we're still tripping over ourselves as a species, discovering things and figuring out maybe maybe that idea about the leeches was not a good idea. There's still some <laughs> leech stuff yeah. that's left lying around. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we keep doing something if it's meaningless or if it's just because it's the way we've always done things? So that's why we're doing it this way. I mean, looking at processes and systems and saying, why do we do it this way? Is there perhaps another approach we can take that would be either safer, faster, more effective? Pick your descriptor. But what just trying to think of new pathways and new ideas that go beyond just a scientific experiment. And the other battle that drives me crazy is this whole qual versus quant, or, yes. or you know, the qualitative versus quantitative. Everybody wants their numbers and they want their little data sets and they want that you know, and they want it very scientifically. We titrated this and it was a chemical formula and we did a we did algorithms and it was all about the data and the numbers and the statistics. And that's that, that when it's quantitative, then we know it's real. But if it's qualitative. That's soft skills. And that's just people talking to each other. And we don't see any science in that. What the hell? Wait a minute. No, that's Mm. not right. But we're still in that zone. Yeah. So if you think about our mutual audiences, what advice do you have for us in these trying times? About anything in particular or just everything? In in terms of our work, do you think that, oh, it's, this really works. I found this over and over, this works. And I'll prime you, because I know one of the things you'll say is build relationships across bridges. It's, Something you've said since the moment I met you. Yeah, um, you got to bust the silos. You got to break down those you know, the communication channel silos as much as you need to break down the the silos of between data exchange, etc. Yeah. What else? I don't know. We've got globally, and then our own in the US of A thing, Um, there's a huge species-wide challenge. We've got so many things confronting us right now. Everything from the fact that we've managed to screw the climate almost beyond recognition, and also the rights of individuals as citizens seems to have become less important than the rights of some rich people who get to basically buy governments and put their little puppets in there and have it all be the entire system of everything mm-hmm. set up to reward them 
these very uh, a small percentage of humanity, and the rest of us can all just basically go between the United States and then the rest of the quote unquote developed world or the world that observes democracy as an actual process, although that's an open question right now, given the way that democracies in many ways are behaving. You just look at the UK and the US, and between us, we're such a hot mess. It's it's hard to really wrap your head around how really, really bad things are. If you sit and think about the macro picture too much, though, mm-hmm. you can end up stuck because stuck, there's just yes. so much that's wrong that we thought we were making progress. But this feels, instead of the two steps up and one step back, it's like we took two steps up and now we're rolling back three centuries. It's, it's like, wait a minute, are we going back to the feudal state now? And are we all going to just basically be sitting at the foot of the castle walls waiting for the the nobles to throw some scraps out so that we can eat this week or paper and, towels um, let's where we're at thank you this is lovely thanks for doing this with me bald is beautiful and shows on the outside brain fog seems to be something to feel on the inside On the outside today, Casey sounds lucid and humorous, can spin a yarn, and offer some wisdom. On the other hand, I get feedback from my family that I don't make sense to them when I feel together on the inside. Nevertheless, I'll pray for Casey and her sister. Sounds rough. I spoke a bit about the new series I'm working on, Young Adults with Mental Illness. I've lined up several recent young adults with lived experience, family, a teacher, family practice, pediatrician, and emergency physicians, an adolescent psych inpatient administrator, community service providers, researchers, and more. Our mental health systems appear more fragmented and understaffed than ever. COVID lifted the rock off an already inadequate, unsatisfying, and desperate system. I hope to focus partially on prevention and success as the unmitigated disaster unfolds before us. These are our kids, our future. I've scheduled interviews over the next month. I don't know how they'll fit together or when I'll begin. So hold on, it's coming. If you have something to contribute, please get in touch. Thanks. I host, write, edit, engineer, and produce Health Hats, the podcast. Kayla Nelson provides website and social media consultation and creates video trailers. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support, especially for the podcast intro and outro. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes alone or with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I'm grateful to you who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health.com.
www.thebigbrand-hats.com and my YouTube channel. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. See you around the block. Mm-hmm.